I'm going to read over the scripture for, for today. So if I could ask you to, to, to all please stand in reverence for the word of the Lord. We're reading out of Mark chapter 9, <clears throat> starting with verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you. You, my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, anything, take pity on us. Help us. If you can, Jesus answered, everything's possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father claimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene. He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive him out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Only by prayer. Let me have a seat, thanks. You know, when you read the, the scriptures, it, it really helps to, to try to read yourself into the story. I, I believe that's the true reading of scripture as Jesus intended it for us. There are so many moments that you and I are looking for him in, his, in our everyday lives today and other people back then, they had their moments within, with Jesus in their everyday life back then. And if you can just read your parallel into the story, just these, these stories come alive with so much meaning of what Jesus has for you. And so as you enter a story like this today, appreciate what's going on. This, this isn't just another kid. To this dad, he's saying, this is my kid. Like, like all the parents we just had up here and the, and the kids they brought forward or grandma and grandpa out here in the crowd, aunts and uncles, like... Yeah, there's a bunch of cute kids in the world, and we appreciate all of them, but it's different when they, that, that one kid is my kid, and you do anything for them. They got your whole heart, and whatever they're going through, you're going through. And right now, this kid has a thing, and it's become the dad's thing. You know what I mean by a thing, right? Like, it's just like, this is what's pressing in on me. Uh, all the time and in every way. It's what I'm thinking about even when I don't want to think about it. It's what I'm feeling even when I'm not like making the list of things that, that I'm feeling in this particular moment. It's just pressing in on me all the time that it affects every person, place, and thing, where I go and, and what I do. Like, like maybe for you, the thing is a medical thing. 
a health thing, when, that, when that's in the family, it, it, it kind of pervades everything. Or, or, or maybe it's an anxiety kind of things. When you experience this low-grade anxiety wherever you go in life, and then, and then it flares up at the most inopportune time, that, that becomes a thing. Or maybe your thing is a relationship. Like, all it takes is, like, one name and face. Like, this is, this is the person <laughs> that is the thing in my life, and I can't figure out how to deal with this person or move on, or I got to keep running into them again and again. Or maybe the thing's an environment. Some of us just have these environments that are just so stress-laden, whether it's, whether it's a work environment or a family environment or, 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 or the place that you have your kids enrolled, and whenever you're there, it just stress fills your life, and you got to go back to that environment seemingly every day. That's, it's a thing. Like, like, can you name your thing right now that is always pressing in on you, no matter where you go and what you do? If you can name what that thing is, then, then you get back into the story, and it just changes how you read everything and experience Jesus in this moment. It's like we get to say alongside the Father in verse, verse 22, if you could put that up there again. Can, can you do anything, Jesus, for this thing that I carry every day? Do you have any help you can offer? Is there any pity that you can spare? Because everywhere I go, I carry this thing with me. Well, what, what is it really? Take your thing, the thing that presses in on you every day, and instead of wearing it for yourself all the time, to, to press it back into Jesus and, and see what he does with it. We're, we're talking about prayer, uh, really. Um, <clears throat> being restless enough with something that we carry in life, that we turn it over to Jesus and see if we can find a restful place with him through our prayers. But there's kind of a jump to get into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, how do you really do prayer the right way and like making sure you got it done? And what do you really expect to happen when, when you put the prayer out there? We don't always know. This dad in this story, he didn't know. He just knew that he had to get his boy uh, over to Jesus. <clears throat> get yourself back a few lines here. Let's go back to verse 14. Uh, as, as Jesus enters the scene, he he finds the dad that was trying to find Jesus and trying to bring his, his, his boy and his thing to the presence of God. Instead, what he finds is the dad's surrounded by, by chaos and crowds. You got one camp in the crowd that are the religious teachers of the law, and you got another crowd that are the disciples of Jesus. What are they arguing about? We don't actually know, but you got representatives from the old school religion and the new school religion. And what you could kind of imagine is that the, the, the one group is like, well, you know, God can't be wrong. So, Dad, maybe you didn't do enough right things along the way, and maybe you've disappointed God, and you didn't follow the rules, and you weren't religious along the way, and that's why... You're going through the thing. Over on the new school religion, it's a little more like, I don't know, did you, did you really trust God when you prayed? Maybe you didn't trust enough. Or maybe you didn't learn enough contentment when you didn't get the answer to the thing that you're going through. Again, can't be God's fault, so it's got to be yours, Dad. I don't know what it is, but y'all of you experience this. That sometimes when you try to present your thing into a religious environment, everyone's got reasons why it's your fault that God hasn't done what you wanted God to do in the first place. By the end of the story, I think it's interesting, verse 28, they're asking the question, why could we not drive this one out like we had others in the past? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. It's like, shucks, I forgot something, <laughs> right? 
I mean, doesn't it actually sound dumb? Like Jesus is calling the 12 out and like not actually having prayed about this. But you and I can relate, can't we? Like, 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 like so often, you're not quite sure what's going to happen when you pray. So what we do is we, we lean back into our resources, the way we always solve problems. We're going to run through all of that. And only if that doesn't work, maybe we'll try to figure out how to stumble our way into this prayer thing because we're just not sure the kind of tool it is. One of my favorite authors is, is Henry Nguyen, and I think he captures the sentiment of this well, so I'll give you a couple of paragraphs from him. It says, for many of us, prayer means nothing more than speaking with God. This usually seems to be a quite one-sided affair. Prayer simply means talking to God. This idea is enough to create fr- great frustrations. If I present a problem, I'd like to expect a solution. If I formulate a question, I expect an answer. If I ask for guidance, I I expect a response. And when it seems increasingly that I'm talking into the dark, it's not so strange. I soon begin to suspect that my dialogue with God is in fact a monologue. Then I may begin to ask myself, to whom am I really speaking? God? Myself? Sometimes in the answer, uh, in the absence of an answer, it makes us wonder if we might have said the wrong kind of prayers, but mostly we feel taken, cheated, and quickly stop this whole silly thing. It's quite understandable that we should experience speaking with real people who need a word and who offer a response is much more meaningful than speaking with a God who seems to be an expert at playing hide-and-seek. Anyone else feeling me on this one? Like, does it not feel that way sometimes? We're just not quite sure what's going on and what we're going to get out of the deal. So we forget to pray. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one of my things uh, that, that, that I've gone through. It's neither the most current thing nor the most critical thing. It's just pulling from the grab bag of things that I'm at least willing to talk about at this point. That This one's fair game, so uh, I'm going to go after it. Um, the pandemic for me became a thing. Anybody else? Yeah, can, can, can you relate? And maybe you can, maybe you can't. What was kind of interesting about a universal global pandemic is that the thing it became for each of us really varied kind of, kind of wildly. Uh, for me, the, the thing was not 2020. Okay, 2020, there were, there were challenges, things were changing. It, t- it took a certain degree of energy and focus to stay on top of it. And so I, I still f- felt alive in 2020. It wasn't 2022 either. Like, there's new normals going on all over the place, and especially in the church. Like, I feel possibly more alive as a pastor than I ever have because, like, right now, if we introduce, hey, we're going to do church entirely different next Sunday, most of you are going to be like, all right, I don't know, up from down anymore anyway. So bring it on, pastor. Let's just come on, let's go. Right? That's kind of a fun environment to be in. But not 2021. That was a bad one. I I felt like the chump who waited all year for things to go back to the old normal, and it just never happened. You know what I mean? Like, I thought, okay, as soon as everyone had the opportunity to get a vaccine, that now people would go back to church. Or that after the mask mandates were lifted, that now people would want to go back to church. 
or after the kids all got to go back to school or all business offices opened at least to, to, to some extent that, and, and, and now we're actually eating in restaurants instead of doing carry out all the time that now after all these other aspects of normal life we're going back to normal that now people would go want to go back to church and turns out people didn't want to go back to church at least 35% of them didn't and that was what happened here that was the national average of what had happened at other churches. Like 35% of the people were, were, were just gone. And quite frankly, the 65% of the people that were still here in 2021, man, it felt so flat and so low. It was kind of like driving on a low tire for a full year. Like y'all didn't have the same energy or vitality. Just, like it just, the pandemic sucked it out of all of us. And one of my one of my Saturdays on record as a pastor is the the, the annual uh, the people list update we, we we do with our church. Like we're not kind of one of those church where you're, when you're on our registry you're you're on forever. Like even if you die, it's going to take five years to get off the membership list. Like no, we we treat you like a real person with a real story with real stuff going on. And it it came to the point where I, I had to say here's. Here's the people we, we prayed for enough, cared for enough, called enough, wrote letters to enough, gifted enough, and they're just not coming back. And, and it took a whole afternoon to, to, to click on a few hundred names that I just had to face my denial of, yeah, we're just not going to see them again. That, that was one of my harder days as a pastor. And then a couple of weeks after that, another, another hard day came. I was just at a routine networking shindig, all right? So a couple of pastors and I, we, we get together every so often in different ways. It's nice to keep tabs with and encourage each other. And one of the things we do when we get together, everyone goes around the table. You got to share one win and one challenge in your church. And this is fine, all right? So this person goes and they got some, some good stuff going on there. The next person goes and they got some good stuff going on. And then, and then they get to me. And I just break into tears, all right? Now, I, time out, okay? Because I know what you're thinking, all right? You know what, it, I know what you're thinking, and you know that I know what you're thinking, all right? It's Brian, of course he's crying, right? But okay, yeah, to, okay, we're going to talk about this today. This is the day where we're going to talk about it. This right here, this is different, all right? We got like this little theater lighting thing going on here, and I get a microphone, and there's a couple hundred eyeballs looking in my direction, and my job now is to talk about the very most important heartfelt thing in my life, Jesus and what he's done for me. Like, it's a recipe for some tears to come out, people, okay? I feel quite justified from time to time in shedding a tear with, with all of you here. But not at a networking lunch around a bunch of colleagues, that, that was different. That, that, that was my cue, that there, there's a lot of brokenness going on inside of me that, that I haven't identified with or, 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 or dealt with. That day was different. It was my thing. I had a real thing that was pressing in on me wherever I go and whatever I do, and it started affecting every other aspect of, of, of my life. And so what do you do when you get there? When, when, when your thing is that you feel like, oh, no one wants to go back to church or this pandemic's been crashing in on me, you want to turn it into a prayer, right? But, but where do you go with your prayer? Like, do you pray, Jesus, I would like the pandemic to go away. 
That's stupid, right? Like, it's, it's, it's here. Jesus, uh, I want things to go back to the way they were before. That's not going to happen either. Or, or Jesus, help me embrace change. It's better, but I don't know. It sounds like I wrote an inspirational card that day, right? Like, it just the, what, what does that actually mean? Jesus, I'm just sad and I miss a lot of those people. That was better still. But how do you pray when you're, you're just waiting? I talked about it a couple weeks ago when Ed talked about it last week. And man, I don't know, maybe it's this theme that's kind of developing around here. Where do you go with God when you are simply in a season of waiting where there is nothing you are going to pray today that is going to wake up with any sort of change tomorrow? Do you pray anyway? Or do you just skip the prayers for a while because it's not going to make a difference in the near future? Anyway. Stick with me on this, okay? Like, let's take it back into the story. There's the big door to Jesus in our prayers that's going to fling wide open if we learn to hold this kind of stuff that's pressing in on us there. This moment with Jesus and the dad and the son who's under attack, under attack and at risk every single day, he brings the boy to Jesus. That's why he's showing up. And finally, in verse 19, Jesus says, okay, bring the boy to me. Enough of the talk and the chaos and the old school religion, new school religion. Just bring him directly to me and hold him with me here. In verse 20, they, they bring the boy. And interesting, the, the evil spirit makes it worse. And I don't know if you ever felt that way, but sometimes when your thing is in process of getting as close to Jesus as it needs to get, it gets worse before it gets better. I don't know why that is. It's not a hard set rule, but it sure seems to me that before things get as close to Jesus as they need to, it gets better instead of worse just before then. Like breaking down in tears at a networking lunch, all right? Verse 21 and 22, Jesus asks the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And if it, just make sure this, this, this line stays up here for a while, because this is the big one for me. This is where the tables turn a little bit, okay? Because I don't think the, what Jesus is asking, okay, like, okay, Dad, just t- tell me the story, review the, the, the signs and the symptoms for me, and the dad's going to run through, well, first I started like this, and then second moved to that. No, he doesn't want that. It's, yeah, tell me how long you've been here. And tell me what it's like to be you when you are here. This is... This isn't just any boy. This is, this is your boy. And, and your heart's with him. And this thing he's going through. And, and on a near daily basis, he's, he's getting attacked. And things are crashing in on him. And his safety's in jeopardy every single day. And as he goes through that, your heart as a father is carrying it even more than he is. Dad, tell me, how long has it been like this? How long have you been here? How long has it been? Since the end of 2021, Brian? Uh, No, Jesus, it was before that. Since 2020? Uh, Sally, it was long before that, too. How long has it been like this for you? Well, Jesus, it hasn't been always. wasn't that way at the beginning. I remember being a starry-eyed seminary student and an early-year pastoral assistant where, like, Jesus, with you in my heart and a Bible in my hand, I was, I was going to go change the whole world. There wasn't anything that, that, that you and I could change. And somewhere along the way, I started to wonder if it 
if it really mattered or if there was a if there was a point like Jesus sometimes as a, as a pastor I feel like pastor in a church is about as personal as owning a gas station you're, you're kind of there when people are running on empty and when they're not you just kind of drive by and you don't, you don't even notice or Jesus other days I feel like I'm managing some kind of popularity contest like I don't know it feels like some people are here because they think I'm as great as I don't I don't know, Captain America, right? I, I never said I was, but some people think I am. And then when the day comes when they realize that there's another pastor down the road who's as good as Superman, well, just as quickly they'll, they'll, they'll move along. And there's just some days, Jesus, where uh, I wonder if there's a different place I could have made a bigger difference with you in my heart and your Bible in my hand besides, besides being a pastor, and you know, Jesus, what I worry about most is I'm starting to wonder just, just, just what happened to all the stuff I believed. That, that, that your church, your people, saved by you, would be filled with so much hope and so much change that we, we'd be the light of the world you said we were. And then there would be a fire burning in our heart, and we just happen to be spilling to the next person, the next, and that all these people together, that we'd reflect the your body, that people would be looking at you and they're looking at us and Jesus. So often we just look like everybody else. He said that the whole world would be saved if, if only I believed. And I believed. I, I did believe. I, I do believe. I, I just need you right now to help me overcome my own belief. And I want to went down that kind of road. I could, I could almost hear Jesus say, you know, now we're getting somewhere, Brian. Now you're really opening up what prayer was all about. Oh, that was 12 months ago. All right, so everything's doing fine right now. So it's a safe story to say, like, Brian, there was the ledge right there, and I was pretty close for a bit, but now I've backed up, so no one's got to worry about it, okay? Um, <laughs> And as I'm telling the story, I hope, I hope you don't take anything personally, all right? None of this here was a judgment of anyone in the room, even though the story kind of overlapped with people in the room, right? It's, it's not about you. This was my burden. I chose to pick it up. I chose to carry it. It had nothing to do with you or anything that a single one of you have done, so don't you dare take it in that direction. And it's not on any of you to fix it either. I know there's like three women in the crowd right now. My mother's age, we're going to try to hug it better later. You're allowed to try to fix it with the hug. Everyone else, just sit back and let it be, okay? My story... I get to be honest a little bit as a pastor. That, that was just my thing. It's just what I was going through. And in the middle of that, I also want you to hear in that story, that, that wasn't where the story ended. There, there was no happy bow tied on that. What that was is like, you know when you have a jar that's got the lid stuck tight, and, and first you like put most of the effort into loosening th the thing, and then later on you, you, you open it after that? That, that was my day where the, the lid of my jar got loose. I wasn't sure I wanted it to quite open yet. Because what happens when you let it all out? What, what, what if I say some things to Jesus that are too bold? What, what, what if I say some things to Jesus that are unchristian? What if, what, what if I say some things that start sounding like doubt or like I'm leaving my faith or what, what if, what if, what if? And like, at some point, I just needed to take the risk of, okay, the jar's already loose. I need to make space to, to, to let it come out, and I don't know what happens next. So what I did is I took a 24-hour day. There's no wife, no kids involved. This was just my day. It was me, Jesus, and the chair. 
And I said, as many potty breaks as we needed, but like, if I'm going to sit in this chair until I hear something from you, until I say everything that needs to come out. And what happened that day is so many things came out of me that I didn't know was even down there. I learned a lot about myself just opening it to God. And I learned that he had a lot to say in response that I wasn't hearing either. And I got a response to everything that I said as I sat quietly in his presence that day. All right, notice the wording. I got a response. I didn't get an answer to to everything I prayed. And And that's a big difference because I think you and I are conditioned to think, well, if you get into prayer, the reason to get into prayer is you're supposed to get out of it an answer. That there's a where, a how, a when that needs to take place. And if you do the prayer thing right, it kind of speeds up the timeline a little bit. Like that's what we're trying to do got to realize that we're getting into prayer simply to get Jesus out of it. That's what I started learning. That's what I started feeling. It's this thing that, that, that took my lid off with God that became like the glue that held me there. Like because there wasn't a quick answer, because there wasn't something I was going to wake up with a change tomorrow, I had to go back again. And again, and as often as it pressed into me, I had to press it back into him. And in the middle of pressing that thing into Jesus that now came like between the glue between us, I I felt my heart open to his and his heart open to mine. Because here's what we're doing with our prayers. So often we're doing it in our mental space. Like we're repeating our wish list of things that we need to do. And with my lid that was open, it now pushed it down into my heart space and and into my soul space. And, And I started pressing that into him. And Here's what really happens. I do not have the capacity to hold a prayer the way the prayer deserves. Up in my head. But Jesus, he's the guy who's used to bearing every burden in the world every darn day. And so the more I held that, my thing out to him, the more he held it in his capacity as the savior of the world. And to feel my prayer now held by him, now I felt like my prayer actually went somewhere to the place it mattered most. And his capacity became my capacity. And in the middle of that, prayer became a thing of not mental effort, but just holding my place with him day in and day out. I knew the presence of God there. It started changing not just the way I pray for me, but how I pray for everyone else. Because don't, okay, be honest. Don't you hate telling someone, I'm going to pray for you? Raise your hand if you hate saying that to someone. It's not a very Christian of you, but go ahead. Raise raise your hand. Because you know that when you say, I'm going to pray for you, now you got to remember. And if you don't remember, now you're the liar. And God God knows you lied, and your friend might not know, so you got to make sure that you remember. And when you do remember, it usually kind of turns out shallow. It's like, uh, dear Jesus, please help so-and-so to get better. And I, okay, I, I remembered. But you know it's kind of a shallow prayer, and it didn't really count. And so now next time someone says, I need some prayer, you're like... Okay, I'll pray for you. And then the whole cycle goes all over again. You're making prayer all this thing about mental effort and wish listing. If we start moving our prayers out of our heads and into that heart and soul space where you're just like, I, I know I'll pray to them, pray for them, to the extent that God puts it on my heart. And I might not even have the words, but I know how to open up my heart and press it into Jesus. So it's held on the capacity of his heart and the way he bears everything for the world. And I know that that's what they need most. And I know their prayer will be covered by Jesus because I can take it to them there. It, It changes everything when we learn how to take that which is pressing in on us most 
and press it in with him and just hold it day after day till we experience what he does with it.